Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hey! This week, we'll be discussing the science fiction classic, Soylent Green, starring Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson. Uh, go ahead and go to our page on Facebook at the podcast that wouldn't die. Go to our page on Twitter at the podcast TWDie. Email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at gmail.com. Subscribe, like on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And Aaron, I believe you have a personal Twitter account you'd like the world to know. The Cult of Aaron. For all your culty needs. <laughs> I am your leader. There you have it. So, Aaron, give us the lowdown on Soylent Green. Soylent Green. It takes place, I couldn't get a, a firm date. But 2022. Oh, damn you. <laughs> 2022. I saw the big books at like 2019, so I knew it had to be a pass. So our, our near and near future. Yes. Shocking I, I how can, close it is to the it, reality. I can, feel it, I can feel it coming. When was Blade Runner? That's already passed, right? I think so, right? Yeah, I think Blade Runner actually already passed. Yeah, and so did Back to the Future Part. Or part two, not part three. Part All right, so, so Soylent Green could still come true. Frankly, yep. uh, my son goes to the local junior college, and and I have put I'm the one who filled everything out, so I get all the email, and he literally got an ad for Soylent. <laughs> it's real. Cra- it's real. Yeah. Why would a company? First of all, there are few pleasures in life. Yeah. There is eating, there is uh, sex, okay. there is sleeping, there is like music, you know? <laughs> That's it. And you you want to get rid of one of those? Yep. Because I want to sit at a computer for, uh, and just take nourishment through some kind of weird cloudy drink. It looks yep. like the inside of an android after you cut them. That's true. If you look at the ingredients, it does not list, spoiler alert, people however does it say plankton though it does, maybe it does that's, say that's high energy code. plankton yes high energy plankton. i was very upset about this so, okay takes place in the future well what's what's mm. the lowdown all right so the world is crap yep people are sleeping in stairwells you're down to like eating just wafers Overpopulation. Uh, I, it's all about overpopulation. Over... Yes. Clearly, not enough disease to thin the herd. <laughs> where where you can go volunteer to just go kill yourself. Yeah, which is probably the only nice thing. Quite frankly, I don't see why more people aren't doing it. Wasn't bad. At least you get a bath. You get to lay in a comfy bed. If they rub your shoulder. You yep. get uh, an IMAX experience. A little with light classical. classical music. Light classical. Not exactly. just regular and, classical. And I was way off because I looked it up, but I didn't bother to write it down. For some reason, I thought it was like Vivaldi, but it's actually four other different pieces of music, none of which were Vivaldi. Very upsetting. It was like Tchaikovsky, it was uh, Beethoven, and, but it like runs the whole season. You pick a color. It just it looked lovely. 
Yeah. When I die, uh, I don't want an orange light. I, I was thinking green or blue, but yeah, that it, seems orange seems a little agitating. It is state-sponsored euthanasia, where if you want to, you can go in there and fill out a form, and they will play beautiful music. They say, what's your favorite color? They sit you in, a, in an IMAX room, and then in 20 minutes, you just die. You just so. die with a smile on your face, clean. It's the only place that anyone's even nice to you. No. I'm sorry. I mean, they were like maybe four deep waiting in line. No. Well, you're sleeping on a staircase and you're fighting over rice crackers. Yep. Oh, no. Let's just all just line up. Well, they call it going home, too. I'm going home, Thorne, yeah. or whatever he well, says. Is is it like Logan's Run, where I'm, I'm going to be reborn again? I don't think so. Whatever so lies much. they tell you, pretty much. Okay, but so, anyway, it, it. it's it's a futuristic, terrible world where people are riding because Tuesdays for Soylent Green. It's the new most delicious of yep. all the Soylent crazy crackers. Yeah, I fa- I found a crazy website that's supposedly the Soylent Corporation. And it tells you the Soylent Red is the crispy, spicy taste of red peppers with the, with the yumminess of corn. Ooh. And Soylent Blue tastes like apples. Soylent Green is the, the, the salty uh, taste of the sea, I guess. Except <laughs> for that. I, I think I saw a Lee Press on nail in one of mine. So Pretty I don't much. Know. Could, it could well, be something else. It's basically because of overpopulation, the world is a dust bowl where there's no, like, real food anymore. There's no, like, people, again, people have to sleep on the stairwell because there isn't for anybody. So why isn't there more disease? There have they be. cured disease? So the if only the- food is the state-sponsored Soylent Corporation submits these wafers that you can come pick up from time to time and that's what you live on right but when they they love the green soylent green you can only get it on tuesdays and when they run out they riot they riot because they're starving essentially well Um, why don't they eat the soylent red i guess they want the wednesday green i don't know i guess it's it's new and improved (laughs) i was wondering because this movie came out in 73 yes because I think this was the time when we were having all those gas shortages. Yep. And you could only get certain, depending, I, I forget exactly what the rules, but certain days of the week, certain people could get gas. Well, it was also. So that's what I was thinking, Tuesdays for Soylent Green. So I thought maybe that was a, along that line. I think it's, it was also in the late 60s, early 70s, people were very concerned about overpopulation. Like, this was a huge thing that the people were concerned about. Nowadays, people don't seem to give a damn. They're like, yeah. whatevs, we're good. Have a well, go. you know, I think when you, when you have a fresh war, uh, you start worrying the things about that. Now that we're just at war all the time, and we could, uh, we're, we're in, like, how many Middle Eastern countries ready to pop in a couple more? Uh, now much. it's just, just same old, same old. We like to read about dystopian societies and maybe global warming's a thing. Now we just are jaded and we don't give a damn about anybody. It's a sad situation. It's a sad, (laughs) sad situation. Now, what's interesting is that this is really a murder mystery. 
There is uh, Charlton Heston plays like a police officer of some sort. And because of overpopulation, he lives with Edward G. Robinson, who they call is like his book is like the name of his job. Like he does all the research, I guess, on the crimes that he's supposed to investigate. It's hard to figure out. Yeah, um, he's book. Uh, when you're rich and you rent an apartment, you get part of the furniture is right. uh, having a, a chicky who, uh, I guess, if it's sleeping on the staircase, you can be pretty flexible with uh, who you sleep with. Well, I mean, they literally come with the apartment. Yeah. They, these these live-in love people. They, yes. they literally are referred to as furniture. Oh, I like your furniture. Uh, was what Charles said on more than one. Yeah. Very upsetting. Very upsetting, to say the least. Um, so uh, this highfalutin type, Simonson, lives up in a fancy apartment. Joseph Cotton. Joseph, let me just put that out. Right. From my, for my favorite Alfred Hitchcock, Shadow of a Doubt. Oh, yeah. So he gets murdered. And we just, I mean, over the course of this situation, we discover that he was expecting to be killed and he, they said, because you become erratic. Is that what it was? It's like something like that. Something they along knew those lines. He was disturbed by something. He found that... something out that disturbs him. And now the powers of B can't trust him to keep it together. Right. And he was, ba- he was kind of okay with it. He's like, okay. He's like, go ahead and kill me. I'm good with it. Let, let me just say this once again. Uh, uh, a crowbar to the head or go light up a listen for 20 minutes. If you're expecting it, just <laughs> head on over, pick your color, listen to some light classical. I ain't waiting there for somebody with a meat hook to yep. bash my brains in. Bull crap. No can do. No can do. So Heston is called in to investigate. And one thing that I noticed that was fascinating is Heston walks in there pulls a pillowcase off a pillow and just starts stealing stuff. He was investigating what he could steal. Basically. Because it's like, you know, an apple is like a rare luxury at this stage of the game. At one point, he pulls a spoon out of his pocket that happened to have a little bit of strawberry jam on it. And they were both, him and Edward G. Robinson were licking it going, ooh, what a rare, delicious, an old spoon in his pocket. Lovely. So he's looting the place. <laughs> and he's all demanding they bring him the liquor. And he's just wandering around, yep. picking up whatever. Paper. Paper is very valuable. He's like, look at this. New paper. Paper. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah, at the same time, actually investigating as he robs this place blind. He's literally like, hey, Chuck Connors, why don't you go in the other room and just write a statement? I'm going to be in here laying on the bed drinking the bourbon if it's all the same to you. Good times. I never understood why uh, Chuck Connors was considered like uh, a hot ticket back in the day. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. If you kind of looks like Glenn Campbell a little bit. Yeah, if you're not either. If you're 60 years of age or older, you remember uh, <laughs> Chuck Connors as the Rifleman. One you know, of those. I've never uh, seen that. I've never seen that. Yeah. And I'm not 60, but I did, used to watch a lot of TV. Good times. Chuck Connors is ostensibly the bodyguard for Simonson, but of course he was conveniently out with Cheryl, the furniture. So there was no one there to protect poor Simonson from the meat hook to the uh, to the back of the head. Yeah. 
they were off buying some beef, which with a question mark, uh, an old apple, a wilty piece of celery, and <laughs> I don't know, a tomato. I can't remember. Well, they for, they stole uh, some beef. Yeah, it was a big slab of beef. But you're right; it was a wilty looking uh, piece of celery, and I guess some lettuce maybe because they were eating the salad later. Yeah, um, I don't know what that is. Just just to show, like this, these, this is high luxury at this stage of the game. Uh, Charlton Heston goes and talks to his uh, his boss, Chief Hatcher. Did you recognize Chief Hatcher from anything, or do you already know the answer to this? I don't know. I do not know the answer to this. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I had to look this up. You might remember him because he was breaking up a shiffer robe when Miss uh, Ellie May uh, cast an uh, an accusation at him, and Gregory Peck had to get him out of uh, jail? Shut your... First of all, what's a chiffero? Chiffero is like a uh, uh, wardrobe. It was like... Oh! Oh! So he, we're talking uh, tequila. Tequila Mocking. He was Tom Robinson from Tequila Mockingbird. Okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, that's kind of... I didn't realize he was in anything else. And here he is, so many years later. <laughs> The last, so now that we've discussed To Kill a Mockingbird now, the last two movies. Did we? You're going to throw in a Boo Radley reference? I just might. <laughs> Let me check my notes. So now, I will tell you what, when I taught it, the kids were like, Miss, this is racist. I'm like, yes. Yes. That's yes, it is, as a matter of fact. That, yeah, that's why we're reading it. No, it is racist. It's one, of my, it's one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies. I love To Kill a Mockingbird. But this, this isn't the To Kill a Mockingbird podcast. It's all tequila all the time. <laughs> so he was, he's the boss of uh, Charlton Heston. And you get the sense it's just like they're wildly overworked. There are murders left and right. And they, don't, they can't hope to solve them all. Um. So <laughs> he goes back with this bag of groceries to his little crappy apartment that he shares with Edward G. Robinson. And I read this, I read this note where it's like Edward G. Robinson is like bowled over because he's 80 years old or whatever. Yeah. And, and for those of you guys who are under the age of 75, Edward G. Robinson was in a lot of uh, black and white kind of gangster movies. And? And? He was uh, 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 the, the Ten, Ten Commandments, Commandments with Charles Neston. Who is this Moses? See? See? Who is Char- this Moses? Charles Heston was Moses, and Edward G. Robinson was, who was he, Pontius Pilate? Somebody like that? No, it was like uh, N- Nathan, or I looked it up. Look it up. Some, uh, some he, he was figure. like a Jewish dude, but he, who was high up with uh, the Pharisees. So when they, when they kicked the Jews loose, he Herod? had to go too. Oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. Okay. So he was that. He was also the guy. He who was not Herod. I don't. I never saw the Ten Commandments, guys. I'm sorry. Well, shut your mouth. This is not Edward the... G. Robinson was so miscast in this movie because he's still talking like he's like the noir gangster, except it's like, who is this Moses? He's a you're the dirty rat who killed my brother. Who is this Moses? I so, can't even do it. It's a classic line. You have to go watch. So Edward G. Robinson is constantly saying, like, when in my day we had actual apples we could eat. We didn't have to eat all this stuff. And kids could play outside and all this stuff. So there's a scene where uh, Edward G. Robinson makes a stew out of, makes dinner, cooks stuff up. 
And this, <laughs> this note I saw on IMDb was like, if people are literally sleeping on the stairs outside his door, eating crispy old wafers, and he's in there cooking up a stew, everybody within 100 miles would smell it and probably kick in the door and take their food from them, wouldn't you say? And, and on top of that, you have uh, this beef to make like a steak, but yeah. you choose to chop chop it up and make an old stew. I mean, a stew you make to stretch things out. Yep. That's not a luxury item. Yeah, people would be yeah, making a <laughs> stew out of them. There's there's many scenes of Charlton Heston trying to get down a staircase, and literally 400 people are sleeping on it. Yeah. Hey, buddy, watch where you're stepping. It's like, well, you know, you are on a staircase. Sorry, <laughs> I'm doing my best here, for God's sakes. Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> so oh lord so they find like what a reference book inside simonson's room right, right. so it's a big oceanographic uh thing from it says 2015 to 2019 right some kind of uh something about the ocean right so because remember soil and green is made from high energy plankton allegedly um so edward g robinson he's whose name is saul by the way Saul is digging through these books and he discovers something that greatly disturbs him. Okay. Very disturbed. He goes and talks to the other books, I guess, the other learned book people. And they all come to the same conclusion, irrefutable conclusion. But now we need proof to, to tell the world what they've discovered essentially. Right. Uh-huh. Who's going to do and, and then who's going to do that? Because Edward G. Robinson literally goes home <laughs> Drops the book off and kills himself. Okay. I'm just going to spoil this bad boy. Basically, if, if you know anything about Solid Green, Solid Green is made, it's out, made of out of people. It's made out of people. So <laughs> Saul discovers, oh my God, Solid Green's made out of people. I'm going to drop everything. Go commit suicide where I will become Solid Green. Green. I don't think he thought out this plan. All that effectively. It seemed a little, uh, frankly, it seemed a little impulsive. Right. <laughs> he didn't follow it to its logical conclusion, evidently. Because Charlton Heston wouldn't even know what it was, except a wild hair got up his butt and went after to, to go save Saul, I guess. Right, he, right, Otherwise, he would have no idea that, that it's, it's people. Because he doesn't, he leaves a note saying, hey, Thorne, I'm going home which means I'm going to commit suicide, essentially. Right. He doesn't leave a note saying, hey, Solomon Green's made out of people, which would have been particularly helpful at that time. No, he just says, I'm going home. So Charlton Heston, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't he write a note? Why instead does he tell him over at the... Yes. I don't know. Whatever the hell. This is a good question. So Charlton Heston kicks in the door... Roughs up old Dick Van Patten, who shows up, and they, <laughs> they, they open up the, the window. And there's a particularly, uh, I thought, poignant scene, because I read somewhere, Edward G. Robinson was dying when he was filming this. And he knew he was dying. And Charlton Heston knew he was dying. Just so, like the ocean. Right. So when they filmed that scene where it's Saul is committing suicide, Charlton Heston literally broke down into tears. Like the tears you see in that scene are real because he knew it was the last scene that they were filming together and he knew he was actually dying in real life. I thought that was kind of interesting. 
it looked as uh, rotten as his usual acting. I, I did not sense any realness there at all. How dare you? It, it was as stiff as his cold, dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> like a doll's eyes? It's doll's eyes. It's very upsetting. So <laughs> at that point, Saul whispers to Charlton Heston, because what is it? The sound system's breaking up. He tells him what the story is. Behind, of course, the audience doesn't know this yet. Yeah, now, suddenly we, he could only hear it with headphones. He could only hear it with, with crazy 70s style headphones. What, what the uh -huh. is. Meanwhile, Chuck Connors keeps popping up with his other thugs trying to shoot old Charlton. Uh, <laughs> now, let me ask you this. There's a scene earlier in the movie and there's this shadowy, not even a shadowy figure. There's a dude wearing a hat and sunglasses who hires the the local tough to murder simonson and later right. comes and kind of is talking to uh, uh thorne's boss about getting him to drop the case could you tell that was chuck connor's the whole time no i no. couldn't either no it was like clark he kent taking off genius, his glasses yeah he must <laughs> be the genius actor because uh the one thing about him he's got this total jaw yeah that's what he's famous for, the square jaw. Yeah. Um, but no, I didn't know it was I him didn't, at all. I couldn't tell it was, until later. It's like they show him without the sunglasses, just wearing the hat. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's Chuck Connor. He is a chameleon. Is he wearing like a, he's a chameleon. Yeah. It, it, was he wearing an ascot pulled up? <laughs> maybe, the only one wearing maybe the ascot. Maybe he was wearing like a, a, a Habib or something. It could be. Charlton Heston had a crazy scarf around, like Fred from Scooby-Doo, around his neck the entire time that he kept <laughs> unraveling, wiping his brow, and then tying it back on. It's very disturbing. I have to say the least. Aye, aye, aye. So in the shootout of the Soylent factory, he notices that the bodies, including ostensibly Saul's body, falls into a big vat, and then in the next room there are a bunch of uh, Soylent green wafers going down the conveyor belt. No, bottom. no, no, no. That is not what happened. Okay, remember we talked about improv. <laughs> yes, and you did, you did talk about improv. You tried to rein me in, but once again, I have to say you're totally wrong. Okay, lay he it left on me. that building, and then he got on. Yeah, he went outside the building where they were loading all the bodies up yep. in these dump trucks, and he jumped on and he goes out to the factory because there's this line. It's if you notice the drivers from uh, the death place didn't cross this line. They moved across and took the receiving trucks back. They had separate drivers that only were in the outside area. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. So there was not one person who went from the death house all the way to the Soylent factory. So they never saw it. I the see. death drivers got up to a certain line. Then you notice they changed drivers. Okay. So, so what, anyways, what was I said he, that was wrong? I you just said skipped. it was all like in the same thing. I, I, <laughs> you I said it was in the same factory. I, I don't think I ever said that, but go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so he does get to the factory. Yes. And they're like, I, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm and going to get to the bottom of this, you damn dirty apes. Now, thinking about this, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so how do we make people sticks? How do, how do you take a, a, a fatty, 
human and make it into a rice cracker. Well, they're also wrapped in like a body bag. That's my <laughs> whole thing. So they're on conveyor belts. So they plunk into this vat of water. Because now I'm thinking, well, if they made it out of rice, you know, if you ever get those clear like egg rolls where it's made out of the ri- rice paper, oh, that's you can possible. see through it. Yeah. Yeah, most most unlikely though. <laughs> but I mean, then maybe I might. Maybe they make them like a slim jim, you know. Like if, <laughs> but sometimes you snap into a slim jim, you can squeeze it, and all the oil runs out. I'm like, that's not. But that's not like a soylent cracker. So soylent green. So, so there's a huge gap in production yes. from corpses and sheets bobbing around in a circular water pit and like literally four feet away green crackers are coming out yeah <laughs> thankfully they do not go as uh, step by step in their recipe so no, i, guess we should be I happy wanted for that. them to do that damn it i want to i want to see i mean come on man so evidently uh saul figured out that soylent green could not possibly made out of high energy plankton because, because why? Because the oceans are are basically destroyed. Like there's, you know, there's no plankton left. The oceans are dying. Yeah, there's not enough plankton to to do this. So somehow he puts two and two together and figures it out. Yeah. Um, Where was Jacques Cousteau? He was he was too late to save us. Very upsetting. So uh, Charlton Heston escapes from the factory after throwing a couple dudes over uh, the catwalk. Uh, Chuck Connors follows him into a church slash homeless shelter, and they get into a shootout slash fish fight while stumbling over 10,000 people who are trying to sleep, pushing yeah. over bunk beds onto people. Hey, you think eventually they would get up and move? But no, there's like they're deep sleepers, evidently, at the uh, homeless <laughs> shelter. Um, and how come they didn't kill the priest? Because he knows the secret, too. They did kill the priest. Chuck oh. Connors goes into confession. And pops him You're right in the right. head. You're right. I missed that. You're now, right. I forgot about Do you know who that. the priest is? He looks familiar. He should. Because he was in another movie we've already done. You mean his honky paradise brother? Oh! That was Omega Brother Zachary. <laughs> brother Zachary from Omega Man. So there you go. Uh, these are, these, I assume these are all... Chuck brings his posse. He does. At wherever he goes. <laughs> so here we are. Because we are seeing overlap. Because you got Heston and Everett G. Robinson. Yeah. We got this dude from Omega Man. So why uh, not? Question. No question. Now, um, <laughs> so <laughs> at the very end, uh, the cops arrive and Charlton's been wounded. And he says, I've got the proof. You got to tell everybody, boss. That silent green is made out of people, blah, blah, blah. But does he have the proof? What was the proof? There what is proof no proof. And no one's going to believe him because right. he sounds like a crazy person. The end. The end. Basically, that's basically the moral of the story. So good times. Um, <laughs> now, it was based upon a book. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I saw that. What was it called? It was uh, called Make Room, Make Room. Make Room. And it was, yes, double exclamation point. It was, had nothing to do, there was no Soylent Green aspect to it. There's no cannibalism secret story. It was just, no, it was all just about overpopulation. Just how lousy life will be in the year 2022 when New York City has 40 million people in it. 
So that's basically, it's like how life is crappy in the futuristic New York City. So what, what I just do not understand is unless they've cured all disease, yep. how could this be? You have people sleeping outside. The human waste alone. Would, this is New York City. We're rather, yeah. right now outnumber people. Right. They don't talk so, about that, evidently. No one's bad. At one point, Chuck Heston, uh, this this one uh, bit of furniture has the hots for him. Cheryl. And she's trying to get him to stay with, with her. And he's like, no. But she offers to let him take a long, hot shower as long as he wants yeah. and run the AC as long as he wants. That he says yes to. Well, what, the moment you get that Heston stink on you, you can't wash that off. <laughs> oh, man. You can't wash that off. So you're right. She's like, hey, I know you're 50, and I'm a hot 21-year-old. Why don't you stick around? He's like, no, pass. Hey, AC, fresh AC, shower. hot shower. What do you think? Oh, my God. And he's I like, he now you're speaking my language. I bet he just smelled like whiskey and old cigarettes. I mean, that's what he smells like anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> whiskey, uh, a high karate, yep. and uh, old stale cigarettes. No, it's oh. in, so later in the movie, she's like, hey, you know, because my uh, the tenant was murdered later, a new guy's coming in and he wants me to stay because I guess she comes with the room. But she right. says, I will give it all up to live in your one bedroom shack. You know, where the people sleep on the stairs by the bushel. And he says, nah, I'll pass. Nah. He's uh, like, don't bother. Don't bother. I got good. stuff to do. I got stuff. Look, I'm Chuck and Heston. And she's like st uh, stunned. He says, don't fence me in. Okay? Don't fence me in. I got a life to live. You know what I'm saying? Hot 21-year-old. Oh, I got places okay. to be. So it's ridiculous. It was... Ridiculous. <laughs> now, it could be you could read it as... I know I could be killed tomorrow by Chuck Connors, so I am I'm keeping you safe by living in a life of prostitution for the rest of your days until you're too old and you're kicked out on the street. Yeah, because he seemed like a real deep thinker, thinker, a real altruistic kind of fella. No, <laughs> that is not what was going on there at all. N clearly not. Now, one of the most iconic images of this movie is for crowd control. They literally bring oh, in freeze. That is so funny because Jump that's in. what I wrote. I wrote that down too. For crowd control, they just come in there with like one of those scooper trucks where yep. they're just like like for snow or garbage, where they just start scooping up the people and the arm lifts up and dumps them in the back. It, More for people, the factory. People are being scooped up by these. I don't know what they are. These big like at a construction site or something. Yeah. These scoops. And they, they're just kind of hanging on. Okay, sounds good. I mean, you could just move, theoretically. But no, I'm going <laughs> to... That's cool. Throw me in the back. Let's go. I mean, what happens to them then? Nobody knows. So they're they're like, oh, we don't want this goddamn Soylent Blue. Where's my Soylent Green? I don't care. Let the dump truck scoop me up and throw <laughs> me in the back. It's a you matter of bastards. principle. It's a matter you of principle. Bastards. I, you can scoop me up, but you'll never take my take away my Soylent Green. Evidently. Oh Good my times. God. It's, <laughs> don't you don't you secretly wish you could try it though? Take a little nibble. You can, hey, like. you can order it online. I'm sure. No, on I Amazon. don't want that Android milk. No, thank you. <laughs>
Oh, my God. It goes back to why. I mean, clearly it's kind of, you know, some kind of sarcastic move, right? I mean, you wouldn't it's choose been around. I th- honestly, I, I think it's been around for 10 years, though. Yeah, but this the book was around in the 60s, and this movie came around in the early oh, 70s. They knew what they sure. were doing. No, no, for sure they they knew exactly where it was, what it was based off of. Yeah, but I remember watching the Inventor, who was clearly part robot. I mean, this is crap for hardcore young programmers with no social life yep. who just need Incels. an IV. Exactly. <laughs> It sells and uh, like a a liter soda bottle, so you never have to get up at all. That's all you need. That is all you need. Good. (laughs) But I mean, and it's very expensive. (laughs) Okay, I I have to go back to it because I think now it's all coming back to me. I think I saw a TV show where it's like this small bottle has enough nutrition for like 48 hours or some crazy thing. Okay. That's delightful. (laughs) I I will not be trying the soil and grain. They did do, I think I told you this, they did do a uh, Saturday Night Live parody of soil and grain about all the sequels for soil and grain. It was like John Goodman was the producer of the soil and grain movies. And uh, Phil Hartman was constantly running around. Silent Green is made out of people. It's made out of people. Ah. You have to put that link on our website. I got to track it down. Uh, There's a scene where uh, it's not Chuck Connors. It's the hired gun is trying to shoot old uh, Heston in a crowd. And he keeps missing and shooting all these people like right next to Charlton Heston. One point a woman gets shot in the head and screams. Which, that's not how it works. If you get shot in the head, you're not screaming. I'm sorry to tell you. That's, not, that's, that's pretty much ball game at that stage of the game. Ah, ow, that hurts. So I, I just want to know, they, they got money for bullets, but they don't have money for Soylent Green on a Wednesday? <laughs> well, again, he was there to cause the problems, right? He was there to, uh, yeah. So there you have it. Soil it seems made to me like the the secret's getting out getting out of the way. Uh, uh, interesting, Leonard Stone. Did you recognize him at the beginning? Who's he, Leonard? He's the furniture. Leonard Stone was the furniture wrangler, the one who was whacking oh, all the girls. Yes, yes, yes. What was he from? And, Willy Wonka. Yes, that's Violet Beauregard's father. That's right. That is absolutely right. Yes, he was the doorman. Is that what he was? I don't. He was like the apartment manager or something. But I've, he's done a ton of other stuff. But as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I reckon, Wonka. Yes, yes. I right. I did. Right. Could be had a crazy different hairstyle. It's very upsetting. Yes. Yeah. He looked kind of like '60s swinger or something like that. Well, did you know who uh, Cheryl was? Which one was Cheryl? She was the oh, furniture. The girl. The girl. Yes. She, yeah. Her Why name, does she look familiar? Her name is Lee Taylor Young, and that she was no bells. She was famous because she was on Peyton Place in the '60s, but she was also Ryan O'Neill's second wife. So there that you, is, has does no that, does that help me. you? Whatever. I think that well, helps I, you. I never watched Peyton Place the series. I'm sure you did. And and who the hell knows how many times Ryan O'Neill, another person who, who smells like cigarettes and whiskey, I think. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It was the '70s. It was the 70s. It is what it is. 
Um, I was bowled over because I remember thinking this movie's kind of boring, but I, I actually thought it was kind of good this time no, around. No, I thought it was kind, it was kind of interesting. Right. You, oh yeah. You think it's just a, you're just waiting for two hours to discover what soil and green is, but there's a, there's quite a bit going on in this. I thought it was kind of good. So, yeah, it looked like a, like a terrible place to be. You don't want to be there. Terrible. Well, that's kind of what Saul was. Saul was like, yeah, I'm good. You know, enough's enough. You know, I was half, I had one foot in the grave anyway. And, you know, when I discovered what Soylent Green was, I'm good. That's Well, it's like when you take away hope. Right. What, what, what else is What there? else is Once there? you realize that it's just this now forever. Right. Or worse. Or worse. The sad situation. It's a sad, uh, sad situation. Frankly, yeah, it, uh, the Blade War- War- Runner world looks much more optimistic. <laughs> sad but true. But I was—I thought it was interesting how many like re- famous actors were in this. People who, or people who would eventually become famous, just kept popping up. Like, hey, hey, it's Dick Van Patten from Eight Is Enough. What's he doing here? You know? Oh, the- uh, yeah. But I think they were already famous. I mean, it was it was one of these things where everybody everybody's in everything. All all the stars de jour. Right. It's another battle of the network stars. Well, and I've talked about this before. The seventies were great because you had big stars from like the forties and fifties who were like, "Look, I just got to pay my rent." You Joseph know, Cotton. Joseph Cotton. Charlton jo- Heston. Edward G. Yeah. Robinson. We know. Yeah. It's like if you need me to be in your eight movie. I'll do it. If you need me to be Omega Man, I'll do it. The thing with you two heads, dirty ape. Fr- frogs with giant, uh, you know, reptiles attacking people. I'm in. Where do I sign? Seventies. Where do I gr- sign? The seventies were great for that. When people were like, I used to be nominated for Academy Awards. Now I'm going to be the uh, the second feature at the drive-in. I'm in. So it's a sad situation. Yeah, people back in the old days, as they say, they think the money's never going to stop coming in. If you didn't make good investments yep. back in the day, yeah, bummer. It's a sad situation. Um, it is. is that the word we're drinking to? This... Is that the phrase that pays <laughs> for this episode? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> any, any last thoughts before we move on with our lives? Well, no, I thought I would have more to say, but I, I literally take took very few notes on this it's pretty straightforward yep. it wasn't overly wacky i mean there was like a little glitchy thing if you notice this when he was saying goodbye to saul the thing where it said you can talk now the cord was mysteriously jumping it was some bad cuts <laughs> so the cord was like in one direction and then flopping down and then back up again and then back and down but Otherwise, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty solid. I mean, you didn't have any Omega Men, no. mutant freakies, no with mutants, white contacts. I mean, it's 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 a pretty solid thing. I mean, you got Heston, so there's going to be some stiff uh, acting, <laughs> a, little over, a little over dramatics. You damn dirty ape! This is but uh, this is good. I don't. This is good stuff. This is, but otherwise, it's pretty solid. I mean, th- there was a lot of schlock going on in the seventies, to be sure. And Heston was but, in a lot of it, frankly. Yeah, and, and he was—he obviously had gambling debts or, or was chasing the horse. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, this is pretty solid, I would say. If you have not seen it, I say check it out. Give it, give it check a little it dance, out, man. Check it out. So, as you're sipping your soil and white, sip, sip your soil and white. 
Enjoy it. Good times. Thank you for joining us. Uh, go ahead and go to our page on uh, at the podcast that wouldn't die on Facebook, on Twitter, at T-Podcast, T-W-Die. Email us. It's just an avalanche of correspondence, I imagine. Uh, the podcast that wouldn't die at gmail.com. Uh, we're on uh, Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought of something. Now, uh, to the good people at Soylent, uh, if you would like to send us some Soylent, we'd be happy to taste it. And talk about uh, it on the show. Why not? And talk about it. We're not guaranteeing we will like it because it is that milky consistency of uh, the inside of an android. But we'd be willing to give it a try if you'd like to sponsor us. With its high energy plankton. That's right. (laughs) Actually, you know what? Oh, my God. I don't even know what I was thinking. But here's my commentary on Soylent Green. I'm See, I'm just, I've been busy today. Here it is. I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, what else are you going to do? I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, I mean, you don't want, I mean, diseased people, you know, I need to be screened or whatever. I, I assume the turning you into a rice cracker is going to cook out whatever diseases, but why not? The, the world, I mean, frankly, I'm surprised the government hasn't loosed some disease to, to thin this out. That's why I don't think it would ever be like that here. I mean, disease, naturally, we keep coming up with crazy crap, mutates, and tries to kill us off. Interesting. You're you're stuck on this disease uh, train, and yet you're advocating (laughs) for cannibalism. So interesting. And why throw it away? There's no food. Yeah, there is. You're just, what are you going to do? You're going to throw it away, have a little service, and let it go to the greater good. Why not? Why waste anything? Yep. I I, I have no issues with this. I do have an issue with their suicide because I think you need to have a a cool off period. Because I saw (laughs) Internal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind where she impulsively gets her mind to race and then regrets it. Yeah. So there needs to be a cooling down period. It, it's not like eh, you have a fight with your boyfriend and then you get in line. That's it. I'm going home. And then, well, with 40 million people in New York City, I guess they're like, who cares? Cooling off or not, we're good to go. And for the record, there's only about 8 million people in New York City in the year 2019. So there you go. Oh, have so it. The population's already down. But frankly, this whole cannibalism thing. You're in. I'm in. Why not? Yeah. Why not? That might be a bridge too far. We need to promote it. That might be a bridge too far for me. Thanks for nothing. I don't want it to be in, what was that movie that we watched where there was a toe? Oh, you didn't see that movie. Uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. There was like a a toe in the stew. I don't want to stick my fork into my stew and pull up a toe. Well, it sounds like that is what you want. I want my I want my cannibalism disguised. I see. I, if it's going to be cannibalism, I want it to look as least like meat as possible. Although, I think the Impossible Burgers may be soylent green. We're not sure. Uh, as long as it's just eighty-year-old flesh, you know, then we're then we're good to go. So <laughs> it's like grinding up a slim jim. Good times. Oh, goodness. Okay, and then go to, what is it, Cultivarin to, to share your Cultivarin. thoughts on uh, disease yeah. and cannibalism. 
So, Euphoria. So thank you very much and goodbye. Bye.